Welcome to the Pooch Parenting Podcast, a podcast for parents with dogs. I'm Michelle Stern, a certified professional dog trainer, mom, and former teacher. Living with kids and dogs at the same time can feel like a circus. I know because I lived it too. Join us as we interview a variety of experts and parents to discuss topics that will make parenting with dogs easier, safer, and less chaotic. Also, you can love living with your dog again. I'll always keep it real, which might even mean that you hear the messiness of life in the background on occasion, but at least you know you're not alone. In today's episode of the Pooch Parenting Podcast, we talk to Caroline Wilkinson from Barkett Place in the UK. I have good news for parents. This is a big one. We talk about simple strategies to help prevent your dog from barking. I know this can be a really big deal if the dog is waking up your child from a nap or otherwise disturbing you when sleep is so very precious. So I hope you find today's episode helpful. Enjoy! Hi, Caroline. I am so happy that you are here to talk with us today. Thank you so much for welcoming. I'm really excited to be chatting with you. Me too. So before we get started, I just want to tell our listeners that you and I have become friends over the past year because we have a mutual friend in Canada who is also in the dog world and she introduced us. And so I feel like I like you extra special because you have (laughs) our friend in common. And I'm actually going to be interviewing Safrina on another podcast episode. In oh, that's I know. I told her. I said, <laughs> you're coming on. Um, we're going to be talking about um, aromatherapy for children and pets. And I'm really excited about that. I think that's really super. Um, but you are on today and you're going to be talking to us about barking, which is a huge issue, especially for parents who've got napping toddlers or napping babies or you're trying to get something done. I mean, I know that my puppy has been doing some strange alarm barking lately and it I jump out of my skin when it happens. I'm not expecting it. So it's very unsettling. So I am so excited that you're here to offer some solutions for that. But why don't you introduce yourself before we dive in? Oh, thank you so much, Michelle. So I'm Caroline. Um, I'm here in the UK and um, I'm a behaviorist and trainer. Um, I generally my kind of mantra is that I want to help reduce stress for dogs living in a human world because I think our human world as much as it might be strange and crazy for us at the moment it is always strange and crazy for our our dogs so um yeah and and barking is one of the things I, I really have been helping people with particularly over the last 12 to 18 months um as life has been going up and downs and and everybody's been changing routines I think it has really impacted our dogs and how that sort of plays into into their lives so I'm really pleased to be here talking to you about it today. Me too. And and talking to it's just a wonderful excuse to talk to you in general. So I'm really thrilled and I'm especially thrilled because like I just mentioned, um I guess we can start with we'll start with my dog because he's a perfect example of what I hear from people online. They send me queries and requests and complaints and they just vent because you know, they're at their wits end, they're trapped at home, they're overwhelmed, they're tired. Um, And then the dog barks spontaneously and with no apparent reason. And I know there's always a reason dogs don't generally bark just to hear the sound of their own voice, although it feels like that sometimes. (laughs) So um, I think that Pippin, um, he's about 16 months. And I think that he was I don't know if he's on the tail end of it, but I think he had maybe a secondary fear period. And there were certain sounds that um, 
he heard that I did not hear that of course made it more mystifying to me. And he would just do these spontaneous single barks one at a time. And um, I would try to distract him and ask him for an alternate behavior so that I could maybe try to distract him or um, get his mind thinking about something else. But I would love to help figure out how to prevent him from worrying about strange sounds. Like my husband is working right now in the room above us, and occasionally he'll drop something, which thuds on his floor and my ceiling. And then the puppy just starts barking, which startles me like crazy. Um, so I don't know if it's that he's extra wound tight or I don't know. Maybe you could talk about some of the possible causes for random barking. And, and then we could talk about other types of barking in other scenarios as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what's great is that you are approaching it in the way that you want to help him feel less worried about those sounds, because so many people we think about, like, I want to stop the dog barking. Yes. And when we think about when we want to stop something rather than support something or change it to an alternative response, then it's always like we're coming at it from a really negative angle. So it's amazing that you are, you know, trying to understand and support him. And I think that's how, you know, all of your your members and your your um your listeners, it would be really useful if they sort of swap that mindset a little bit. Now, if we think about, you know, what the kind of times we're in um, uh, as we're recording this, um, obviously there's been a lot of stresses on us humans. And I think that uh, we have to be mindful of the fact that our sort of emotions do play in massively into our dog's emotions. As you'd also talked about, you know, secondary fear phases, um, tertiary fear phases, depending on, on dogs. And I, I often find with boys' dogs, they seem to get more of these fear phases than the girls do. Um, so <laughs> hopefully nothing more coming your way. But but um, I think, you know, when we look at those things, we can start to sort of piece in together why these bar this barking's happening. Um, one of the very first things I always get people who have a barking dog to, to do is to create a little journal for a couple of weeks and try and look at things like what's happened that day, how much rest they've had, um, if they've eaten well, um, you know, have you had any visitors or has it been that you've had the delivery man come like 20 times that day right. and what's impacted and then kind of rating their barking out of 10 that day. Because sometimes we can see patterns that we don't see when we journal as opposed to when we are just sort of experiencing it every day. Um, then, of course, when we're sort of having a puppy who's or, or any age dog who's in their nice, calm, relaxed environment, particularly as there hasn't been so much going on and maybe you haven't had as many visitors as you normally would, um, then smaller sounds might sound a little bit more, um, uh, so there might be more of a peak to them. Uh, so one thing that I would normally suggest to people is that we try to create like a new normal level of sound. So instead of keeping sound at the, the kind of quiet that we normally have in our homes, we actually add in something such as white noise or um, some classical or reggae, whatever it might be that you enjoy with your dogs, something that's a continual sound in the background. Um, okay. I think white noise is always kind of an easy one for the humans because you can actually start to tune that out and you don't even realize it's happening. But all it does, it takes those frequencies that's normally there and it raises it up a level. So those like peaks of noises that are going to come above that, that new norm aren't going to be quite as um, startling to the pup or the older dog. That's a really good idea. I've encouraged some of my clients to use a white noise machine, perhaps near a window that's close to a road, for example. If we know that the garbage truck always triggers the dog and the dog is less able to hear that garbage truck, for example, then we may reduce 
the the dogs feel for its need to bark, like to to warn you that something is is new and different. I like what you're saying about changing sort of the baseline, though. I think I think that that's really interesting because I'm sitting here in my house right now and it's really quiet because every my son is still asleep. Of course, he's 18, so he's going to sleep until like <laughs> three in the afternoon. So he's still asleep. My husband's working. I don't hear anything. There's nothing going on. So it makes perfect sense that any random noise, a thud, it's pretty windy outside. So sometimes things fall over on the back deck. Those sudden noises would then be quite alarming to my dog and he would notice those. Um, I have tried experimenting with music. Um, I like it. It's nice for me to have in the background. And I do find that it does reduce his spontaneous reactions to certain things. So I think that's really an interesting thing. And I also like your journal idea. So let's talk a little bit more about that because after you and I talked about scheduling this podcast and you mentioned the journal idea, of course I didn't start it because I'm a bad student. I'm a good teacher, but a bad student. Um, I did though start noting in my mind certain things. And I was talking to my husband about it. And I said, you know, I'm trying to keep track on days when he's gone hiking on days when um, he's napped enough, because right now he's napping in the bed next to me. But there are days I notice that he seems quite unsettled and he walks around and he can't really self-soothe. He's just having trouble. And I've been experimenting popping him into the crate, which I also have in the same room with me so he can still see me. And I often find when I put him in there, he goes right to sleep. And then that also reduces the barking. So I think a lot of parents can relate to that, that when your dog or your child is overtired, sometimes we see negative behaviors emerge that don't emerge from a well-rested creature. What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. I mean, sleep is the kind of number one game changer, I'd say, in terms of when we have dogs who are a bit more worried about things, a bit more barky. Um, and often, you know, these dogs are actually getting starved of the sleep that they need. And um, I don't know if your listeners know, but um, we get about sort of 25% um, overnight of that deep regenerative sleep that really helps us get rid of the stresses of the day, helps us process learning, really, you know, rejuvenates the entire body. But our dogs only get about half as much as that. And when you think about, particularly if you're in a household with younger children who are moving around a bit more, um, you know, if they are at school, they're coming and going a lot more than than a, a, a sort of a longer adult day might last. Um, there's a lot of disruption. And so if you are trying to get particularly a young puppy, maybe 18 hours of sleep in a day or an older dog, 12 to 16 hours of sleep a day, if they're getting all of those disruptions that they're just not getting that quality sleep that they need. And it's, it, you know, that kind of that let sleeping dogs lie um, saying, um, you know, it really rings true. And if we have got a dog who is more likely to be a bit more anxious, a little bit more worried, trying to up the amount of sleep, like you said, like putting them into a crate, into a safe space, a place where they're going to be more relaxed, or even if you need to, you taking a nap too with your dog so that you, everybody has a quiet time so that you are making sure that they have this um, consistent sleep every single day. Yeah, it's really interesting because I'm I feel that a lot of people overuse crates and I, and I don't really want 
to use it a ton um, for confinement. I don't think it's necessary for my dog. Um, but I did find that the reason that it was effective is because it removed all of his other options of things he could be doing because there was nothing else to do when he was in there. So he just went to sleep. So as opposed to pacing around, because I'm a big fan of using pens for management and I have a big baby. Well, it used to be a pen and I have it now open to separate my kitchen from my family room. And the reason that I have that set up is because I have a senior dog and Pippin as a youngster tends to bother her a lot. And so I try really hard to use the same management that I recommend my clients use with their kids and dogs with my young dog and my old dogs to say, you know what, I respect you. I respect your right to peace and rest because you're 12 years old and you're getting older and I, I don't want the puppy to hassle you all the time. But given that, there's this barrier. He still has my huge kitchen space with me that he can pace around. There's a few toys. There's some things he could do instead, or he could stare out the window at the squirrels or whatever. So he's choosing not to nap because he doesn't want to miss out on anything else. So I like your idea of safe spaces and quiet places to support our dogs and getting them some more sleep. So let's talk about some of the reasons dogs bark. They, they generally don't do it for no reason. And I don't think that we can be very effective at helping them change their behavior unless we understand why they're doing it in the first place. So can you talk about some of the other reasons that dogs do bark and then what some strategies might be so we can give these parents some relief? Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, we do have breeds that are going to be slightly more predisposed to barking. So um, my client base um, revolves a lot around Schnauzers and Dachshunds, um, both of who are very well known for their voice. Um, and so when we've got dogs who have been actually bred to be able to indicate where the, the prey that they're hunting is or to fight away some you know rats from the yard or whatever it might be, um, if we've been breeding them to actually have this voice to then say you can't use it can actually be really difficult because it's this kind of conflict of of internal uh, motivation going on so yeah. we do have to understand some dogs are going to be a little bit more barky than others um there are other uh, many other reasons why dogs may bark so there might be um, alert barking so as you were talking about say the garbage man coming past um, or somebody coming up to drop a parcel off um, they're letting you know that something's happening um, but they could also feel like they need to alert you to anything that's happening for example a squirrel has just arrived in in the yard and they want to tell you that it's there um, there's um, fear barking which might be more um, you you'll hear different sort of pitches and tones um you might also hear sometimes what we call the like pre-bark or the huff um where it's just like this sort of like um strange little um kind of coughing almost noise before the dog breaks into Pippin, it Pippin does that absolutely Pippin does that and sometimes that's when I try to intervene and say oh boy I better get on my game and help him absolutely and that's kind of we often when a dog has just noticed something and then they're making a kind of decision about how they should deal with that thing that's that's appeared or that they feel unsure about so that is the perfect time to try and intervene but obviously what we want to try to do is help the dogs generally in their environment to feel better so they don't have to do that yeah um we can have socially facilitated barking as well and this is one of the things that i feel has increased massively during um like lockdown periods and things like that where people have been at home a lot more they particularly during the 
summer months, um, they maybe have their gardens more accessible. Um, and so when the dogs are outside, if you do live in a close proximity to other people and other dogs, um, you know, it only has to be one that starts and all of the neighborhood joins in. Yes. So there were lots of different reasons. And I think this is why it's really important to start thinking about your, your barking journal. And then you start to understand what situations is it that my dog is barking in? And then how can I help help those ones? Um, because, you know, not every bark is going to be um, sort of for actual specific job. Sometimes it's portraying an emotion that's going on. And occasionally, because the dog gets into this cycle where when it barks in those situations, it realizes that's actually quite good. It feels good for doing it. It can become accelerated. And so almost then the dog seemingly to us barks for no reason, but it's become this kind of habitual response that they have to a situation. Um, so you might have a dog who, you know, is worried about other dogs on walks um, or gets frustrated about other dogs on walks um, it really wants to go say hi but it can't um, it starts with a little bit of barking it then realizes actually that felt good because I got a release of some sort of energy just like we might if we have a, a row or we have a cry or we laugh where we release energy and sometimes it feels good to do that mm -hmm. um, when we get into when our dogs get into that sort of cycle of barking it can become almost self-motivating to continue doing it Oh, geez. I'm sure that's not good news, right? So let's talk about some examples of that. So I was talking to somebody yesterday and she was upset because her dog barks at airplanes <laughs> that go over the house. Now, obviously she's limited in some of what she can do about that, right? She can't reroute the airplanes. She can't move her house right now. Like she's kind of stuck. This is what it is. So I, I think the dog in this case is habitually barking. It's become a habit. So white noise perhaps might be a good assistant in this, but what, what would you tell her in this okay. circumstance? This is a good one. And this is a little bit like the mailman sort of situation where dogs bark at it because both with both mailmen at traffic airplanes the dog barks at them and they have effectively seen it off the thing disappears and so it becomes a really successful strategy in kind of ridding their their world of something that they're not really sure about being there um so one we want to try and think about how we can kind of you know intervene here so that we the dog isn't always doing it so it realizes that this is a really successful strategy to use so first off yeah I would introduce white noise in the home so that the sound of the airplanes approaching isn't going to be so arousing I would also probably think about some temporary um, frosting that you can put it's like peel back um, sticky stuff you can put I on the windows yeah. yeah and that can be really helpful because if they're sitting there particularly if your dog has a favorite sunspot on the back of a sofa that looks out out of a window um you know i've had a client who just did cat neighborhood watch all day every day and that dog was so highly stressed because it just felt like that's what it had to do sit there watch for the cats and bark at it and in this situation your client obviously is its dog is going i need to see off those airplanes um so if we can put that sort of temporary frosting it doesn't necessarily have to be forever but yeah. that stuff allows light in so it's not hindering your enjoyment of being in your in your home but it just means that the dog has less clear visual of what's going out Okay. Those two 
things could really, really help. We could even think about temporarily using, just as you have been with Pepin, a, a sort of a pen or a um, a barrier that means they can't get to the side of the room that's going to see the, the airplanes happening so much. Okay. But then we also want to think about what about in the yard itself or in that in that garden where they're hanging out. Um, um, if we let our dogs out into a outdoor space where they are free to do whatever they want um, and they are continually barking out there at things, then they aren't learning anything else to do in that space. So what I'd be looking at is kind of restricting the access to the outdoor space. But when they are out there, I'd be looking at giving them alternative jobs to do and jobs that are either going to be fulfilling another internal motivation, so a breed internal motivation like digging, or something that's nice and calming like sniffing or chewing. So it could be when they do go out there, you either take them on lead just to toilet, then they come back in. Mm-hmm. Um, or if they're going to be unobserved um, for a short while, then they're going to be out there to um, do some food scatters on, on the lawn or they're going to have a nice long chew to have. Or you create them a digging pit that they can just like dig and find some fun thing you've buried for them in there. So they've got something that's to do in that garden that isn't about looking at the sky, waiting for the next trigger to respond to. I love everything you just said because (laughs) dogs repeat what they practice. And so if the only thing the dog has to do to keep itself busy in its mind is to stare at the sky and wait for airplanes um, so that it can bark and then the airplane leaves. I mean, it's a really effective strategy, right? I mean, it's same with the delivery man. The dog barks and the delivery man leaves and the dog thinks, well, job well done. I Now I need to keep doing that. That's a really reinforcing behavior. Um, and I love that you talked about setting the dog up with jobs that they are allowed to do as opposed to getting angry at them for doing what they're not supposed to be doing. I think that is such an important distinction. I I find that sometimes I, when my dog is in the yard, if I let them out to go to the bathroom and maybe we have a neighborhood watchdog, like you mentioned, the contagious barking, and it's a little Shih Tzu that lives um, at a house right across the street, but that house is elevated. And so the dog sits and the dog's job is to watch the neighborhood and wait for people to go by with their dogs. And every time that happens, it barks like crazy, which then triggers two Labradors up the street to start barking like crazy. And then we're in this little canyon and then it just triggers a whole, you know, it's like a domino effect. It's awful. What I often do with my dogs, if they're outside going to the bathroom and they bark, I will go outside and I will call them to me and say, wow, thanks for letting me know. As if I'm saying, you know what, you just did your job. You told me about the big, scary thing that must be happening outside. And then I reward them like crazy for coming to me when called. And then we just go back in the house and do something else because I still want to practice rewarding the dog for coming to me instead of choosing to sit and bark their head off. Right. So that because I think recall is really important and it can be a nice pattern, right? They can bark once and I can say, hey, thank you. I like that you're doing your dog job, but now let's go inside. Now, what do you think about that? Is that a decent, because I can't prevent them from barking, right? They're, they're responding emotionally because all the other dogs are worried about something. So that may be a good indicator they should be worried too, right? Absolutely. And would we expect to go out and see people and not be able to talk to them, even if we're not 
close to them at the minute we're still able to talk to people and and have those conversations and our dogs are you know they're beings and sentient beings that should be allowed to have communication yeah i feel they need to but i love what you've done as you've said like i have the you know the the kind of one bark um, is my criteria of what I I think is okay, and then I will call them to me. So for some people, they might choose, you know, the doorbell goes. I'm a, I'm happy for my dog to bark three times, and then I'm gonna stop it and we can actually set that up through like an interrupter cue as well so I have like a thank you cue which I use a visual cue of, of moving my hands across in front of me as well as saying the word thank you um, and that's something that I would train um, around initially with nothing going on so my dogs are just learning that when they hear this word and see me do this visual cue that that something amazing is about to come from me so that they want to orientate towards me. And then I can start to introduce it around where they maybe bark once or twice. And then I can say the thank you, do the visual cue and, and provide them with their reward for doing that. The only thing is, is when we do get them back towards us for, you know, whether it's be because we've rewarded them for recall or we've given them an interrupter cue, we need to pretty quickly get them um, focused on some alternative job because if the barking is super reinforcing and particularly if they're a breed who's more predisposed to alert barking or barking generally the drive could be like I've done my job with mum now I'm going to go back and and bark at that thing again so oh, yeah I often say to like use a thank you cue and move them into another room before they get their reward. Then you can ask them to do a sit or do a few fines for treats, um, something else that kind of just really breaks that cycle um, so that they aren't just flitting back to what the, beha the behavior they were doing before. Okay, this is making sense. This, you actually just reinforced me because I was thinking about my dog's door behavior um, and my big dog, tends to lose her mind, which now has caused Pippin to lose his mind if somebody comes to the door. So again, more of that contagious social barking, which is really annoying actually. Um, but what I often will do is I don't mind if they tell me someone's there, but then Barley is so excited. She just kind of gets herself all worked up and keeps barking. So what I've started to do is take a handful of treats and say, hey, thanks, someone's here. And then I walk towards the door and then I throw the handful of treats away from the door, the opposite direction. And then they immediately go and start looking for all the food and it's rolled all over the place. And they're very excited by the motion of the treats and the food itself. And while that's happening and they're distracted by that, then I can open the door, retrieve the package or welcome somebody inside or whatever. And then by the time the person is inside or the package is in the house, all that new excitement, that novelty is worn off. And then the dog can come over and politely say hello or whatever. And the barking part is gone. So what you said in terms of your thank you cue is pretty similar um, to walking to the door and being like, oh, thanks for letting me know someone's here. Now go do something else. Does that sound like I'm on the right track there? Absolutely. And I think what's the reason why I like using the word thank you, and you've said it yourself, thanks for letting me know, is when we say thank you to our dogs, we are emotionally telling ourselves that we were happy they barked. So we're <laughs> saying to ourselves, that bark was actually good. It let us know somebody was there. They did what we, they should have done. So we're saying thank you to them for a job. Whereas if we say shut up <laughs> or be quiet, which a lot of people will use quiet or enough, and that's sort of a like more of a negative word to use dogs and it's one that we might say out of frustration rather than actual kind of consideration for the what the dog has just done 
<laughs> using the thanks and using the thank you absolutely I think is a great way to just help us feel a little bit more like we are appreciating our dogs and their roles in our lives I think that that's a huge component like a huge mindset thing because it's so easy to be mad and annoyed and irritated so I learned um from Emily Larlam of Kiko Pup yeah. I'm sure you know her she's She's a goddess to me, but what she taught me, her positive interrupter is a kissy sound. So if her dog, let's say she has a puppy and it's starting to show too much interest in a house plant, for example, um, she'll do a kissy sound to get the dog to shift its attention to her. And then she can reward the dog for choosing to come away from something. So she calls it a positive interrupter, which is just like what you were talking about. But what I love about that so much is you can't be mad or you can't sound mad if you're making a kissy sound. And so when I taught group classes, feels like many moons ago, or when, you know, I was working with especially men who often would resort to things like knock it off or cut it out or hey you or whatever and I, I would tell them to make kissy sounds instead I said you can't sound angry because right now your dog might be worried because you sound mad and they don't realize that they people in general don't realize that they sound mad when they say knock it off or that's enough um but kissy sounds like thank you there's something about it that is lifting, like it's emotionally lifting and it shifts my perception of my dog just by using that simple cue. It's pretty interesting how simple that could be. Absolutely. And I think the thing barking particularly as a behavior that our dogs um, sort of offer is that it can be challenging for us from a uh, disruption to our lives. It can be annoying to us, our own brains. Um, and But it can also be so um, socially embarrassing. Like if you live in a block of apartments or you live really close to people and you've got neighbors who are really annoyed with your dog's barking, or even if you are maybe um, on a work call at home and your dog keeps barking in the background, you've got that like embarrassment level. So there's a lot of emotions attached to our dog's barking. So if we can change our emotions by saying thank you or doing the lovely kissy noises that just at least it's like us fake smiling makes us feel better if we can kind of try to fake it till we make it like with with just using that thank you or the kissy noise that's going to help us feel better yeah that's really interesting so I think I want to end with one big gem that hopefully you can offer to us um there is a, an idea that if we ask our dogs for something else, if we do something rewarding with our dog after they have barked, that we are rewarding the barking itself. So I want to just talk about that misconception a little bit and how we can use that. I want to use, I want to set the stage that maybe there is a mom who has a child napping and the dog starts to bark and we want to get that to stop quickly before the child wakes up. So we need, a, we need to figure out what to do about that situation. And we also don't want to create this inadvertent pattern or cycle or chain of like, you bark, I call you, I reward you. And then the dog says, aha, I want a reward. So I'm going to bark. So mom calls me and rewards me. So how do we how do we address sort of the barking during napping without creating some intentional chain of behaviors from the dog's perspective to get ultimate rewards or attention from the parent? 
Yeah, I think this is such a tricky one because, you know, some dogs are super smart and they realize, you know, I jump on the sofa, I get told off and then I get a reward for getting off. They, You know, anything we teach them that's an alternative behavior becomes a potential game. So for me personally, what I'd be thinking around is, first of all, preparation is key. So if I know I am going to need to put my kid down for a nap during the day, can I save some of my dog's food and put it into Kongs and licky mats and things like that, just at least for the start of the nap? So just as I'm putting my child down, I would then give my dog something that's going to be calming for them. So then it's like licking and chewing or sniffing are just such great things for our dogs to really lower arousal, to kind of promote the chance that they are going to go and then like have a nice snooze and nap themselves which would be ideal if you can get your dog and kid napping in unison that would be absolutely perfect um so if we can kind of pre- it's kind of prevent rather than cure if we can set up that scenario where our dog is much more likely to be calm and relaxed rather than doing its alert barking but we can't deal for every situation. So if we we don't really know necessarily that the mailman's going to come at a particular time, um, uh, so we can't predict when that's going to happen. So there are sometimes where you just have to make the best of the situation. And if we've managed to get our dog to only do that one bark um, and it's got a, it's a it's got a reward from it, I would say that's a win, and that's something you should be paying your dog for because you haven't had a ten minute barking session which has woken your child and you've ended up then having a half hour crying child for meltdown or something going on so actually if we're teaching our dogs effective tools such as you can just bark once or you can just bark three times and like just before we started recording I said isn't this app that my dog started barking downstairs because somebody came to the door but because I couldn't go down to open it they just left um my dog stopped after three barks so it's they know so much through practice that if nothing comes from the barking they're going to stop and so when you practice these behaviors your dogs are much more likely to self-interrupt anyway in the future rather than always have to rely on that treat coming from you okay this that's really really good and and that relates to a lot of parenting with dogs right is that the setup, all the work you do to lead up to things, you know, if you prepare your dog before baby comes, if you set up baby gates, if you set up the practice of using food enrichment toys so that the dog can focus on one thing instead of what you don't want them to focus on. Um, and again, asking your dog to do what you want, um, setting them up for success is such an important thing. And I do think that, again, that is a mindset shift of I don't have to be a victim of a barking dog, but I can try to set up the environment such that I help my dog bark less, either with a white noise machine or with maybe some exercise before my child goes down for a nap so that my dog might might nap at the same time, right? Isn't that the dream? where you have some quiet, unless you take your child's nap time as a time to bond with your dog, which of course, then the dog is less likely to be barking because it's spending quality time with you. So I do think it's a really interesting mindset shift of thanking our dogs when they alert us to something, because that's what a lot of them were bred to do. um, And then asking for alternate behaviors. This has been amazing. So is it true that you have a barking course online? 
Yeah, so it's a short mini course that runs over 28 days. So alongside the assets you get on the website, which kind of go through barking in the house, in the garden or on walks or in the car. So those kind of four main areas where we get it happening. Um, we also send you a daily email to just give you an idea around um, why things might be happening, what we can do about the challenges we're experiencing and just how we can understand our dogs a little bit better. Um, we don't promise to stop the barking in 28 days, but we promise to help support you to reduce the barking and that is really what we're all trying to get because our dogs naturally should be allowed to communicate but we just don't want them barking all day incessantly um, because that's not going to help us or our kids be nice and calm and relaxed oh this is so good okay so i will link to your course in the show notes which will be on the pooch parenting website so people can go and check that out if they're interested in the meantime where can people find you online so they can find me at Marketplace. So it's like Marketplace, but with a B. Um, so Marketplace.uk or on Facebook or Instagram at Marketplace as well. Okay. I love talking to you. Thank you so much. I really, well, really appreciate it. Okay. We'll talk again soon. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Pooch Parenting Podcast on iTunes or on the podcast app of your choice. If you're looking for ongoing support for your family with dogs, be sure to get on the waiting list for my Thriving Parents with Kids and Dogs membership at www.safekidsanddogs.com. And don't forget to follow Pooch Parenting on Instagram or Facebook. Thanks for listening.